I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we're going to be talking about something that I am very, very passionate about because this is something that has helped me tremendously in my life. So, as many of you know, I wasn't always this fit and 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 this active like you know me now. There used to be a time when I was extremely sedentary, and there were phases of my life where I had a backache every single day of my life, and. after i went on to this journey of understanding myself a large part of it was spent with physiotherapists understanding the body because i found that absolutely fascinating so i think physiotherapy is a very important and essential part of our life and it is something that we should be thinking about in a more active manner so today with me i have dr nikhil latte and um, i i met dr nikhil i think a week ago or two weeks ago when i went there with a pain in my knee and i loved his perspective on the body and understanding how you know the body functions and we had a great time chatting so i said you have to come on the habit coach podcast and share this with us so nikhil welcome to the habit coach podcast hi thank you thank you for inviting me my pleasure nikhil tell us a little bit about yourself what is it that you know um, you've studied what is it that you do So I am a physiotherapist and a sports scientist. Uh, I've got a degree in physio and sports science, and this all stemmed from my. Uh, I mean, I used to be a short distance swimmer. Somehow I went into long distance, and I really excelled in it. And this is all in my school days. So at that point, I wondered that if somebody had told me earlier that okay, your body is more suited for endurance type events rather than sprint type events. i might have been able to do more so i thought okay let's do this and so it's a job of a sports scientist to do all kinds of assessments and figure out what you're good at and where you lack and uh, this is more than two decades ago there was no sports science in india so the closest thing that came to it was physio and i really enjoyed it so i decided to do physio first and then i went abroad and did my sports science and after i came back i got the opportunity to work with our olympic level athletes i have been to the london and uh, rio olympics uh, myself i was working with mericom for the london games i was working with some of the shooters for the rio games and i worked with saina nehwal in in between when she became world number 1 so it's been a fantastic experience working with these athletes and uh, if i was to say what my work looked like with them it was all about taking care of them whether mm. it is their strengthening whether it is their flexibility whether it is their recovery whether it is taking care of small aches pains and niggles uh, watching sometimes because i was alone there i did not have a team with me watching their diet you know how many hours they slept if they had enough water and yeah so that whole part and parcel of taking care of their bodies like a body mechanic was my job when i worked with the athletes now that i have sort of given that up because it's too taxing it's too tiring mm. two olympics was my limit um now i'm able to uh, do physio and sports science as two separate stuff where in physiotherapy i'm looking at injury care preventing injuries improving strength getting people back on their feet getting people back into their sport and sports science is where once you're back into your sport i sort of figure out um, what's holding you back and how you can improve further and i'm able to help not only elite athletes elite athletes now come to me instead of me running after them but also amateur athletes who would say want to improve their half marathon time or a full marathon time so yeah that's what i do at the moment 
Fantastic. So, you know, Nikhil, when you were talking, it suddenly struck me about like you when you were talking about the sports science part of it. And you were telling us about, you know, that I was designed to be a long distance swimmer instead of a short distance sprint swimmer. Yeah. You know, so is this also the whole role of genetics coming into it at that point of time? You or know, is this something way, that... Hmm. In a way, in a way, it is genetically predetermined, but... Hmm. Um, um, as with anything, it's nature and nurture. Hmm. I mean, just because you're naturally gifted doesn't mean you succeed. You have to uh, put a lot of effort into it to hone that talent and make it awesome. So uh, if you do genetic tests, and they are quite uh, freely available nowadays, you can do genetic testing on 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old. And it may say that, okay, you would do well in a power event, okay, like weightlifting or sprinting. But it can't say whether weightlifting or sprinting will work for you, hmm. right? Because there are other factors that determine whether you're going to be a good weightlifter or a good sprinter, although both are power events. So there's a lot of uh, lot that goes into it. It's not just nature, it's also nurture. Yeah, Correct, you know, because there are so many times, and probably we'll discuss this on the second podcast, but there are so many friends of mine whose genetic test came back saying that they are, they'll be fantastic for sprinting. But they started doing long distance because they enjoyed the peace of the long distance, yes. right? And the meditation of that, what they feel in the long distance running. Whereas yeah. I, my genetic test came and said that good for short distance and I love my sprinting. I can't do long distance at all. So I completely understand that there is a nurture part of it as well. Other aspects apart from the genetics. Very, very yes. interesting. So Nikhil, when, when, you, when you say a physiotherapist, right? I love the way you said a mechanic for the body. Yeah. Correct? So... How should people think of physiotherapy? Like there are lots of people who are listening to this podcast. They're not necessarily interested in getting into sports or becoming elite level athletes. Some are, but not all. For the people who aren't, how should they start thinking about physiotherapy? Um, you should think of physios as someone who will help you in taking care of yourself. Hmm. I think that's the main thing. Hmm. A physio doesn't do the work for you. You have to put in the effort if you want a better quality of life. A physio is someone who will help you get onto the right path. Hmm. So if you think about someone, I mean, all of us are uh, in some way or the other working from home over the last one year. Human bodies aren't designed to sit for long hours. We are hmm. designed to move around. Like if you look at our bone structure, it goes via the back into the legs. That's how the weight transfers. So when you're sitting and the legs aren't taking any weight, the back takes most of the weight. That's not what you're designed to do. So over a period of time, you do end up with some kind of aches and pains. Now, at this point, a physio intervention may be necessary to help you understand what you're doing wrong in terms of your posture, in terms of building up the strength of your back to take this excess load, in terms of what kind of stretches can you do, or if you're going to work for 10 hours straight, when do you take a break? What do you do in that break so that your muscles rejuvenate and allow you to continue working for 10 hours without having any deleterious side effects? So uh, a physio is someone who basically helps you get to the kind of quality of life that you want and um, gives you the right guidance in order to improve your strength, improve your function to do so. Now that is when you're talking about an active population who doesn't have diseases. If you have something like a knee arthritis, say a 65 year old with knee arthritis on both legs, 
again they do want a good quality of life they do want to walk around i mean not now but if they uh, when things open up if they go abroad and you know in europe you have to walk a lot they can't take those trips because walking becomes a chore so a physio would be the one who sort of steps in assesses how bad the damage is helps improve the condition of the joint helps improve the condition of the bone helps him to improve the condition of the muscles teaches you uh, good habits you know to do not to do so that you can get to the kind of quality of life you desire uh, we are not magicians we can't reverse the damage that's already been done but we can help the body adapt and adjust to it lovely so it is not about necessarily damage control damage control may be beyond repair but it is about making sure that you don't get to the damage from the first place correct and if you do end up getting damaged we help you learn how to adjust to it hmm. because most arthritic issues are age related right they are part of growing old and we nobody knows how to reverse age yet so then you have to learn to live with it and physios become your teachers in helping you learn to live with it and still have a productive and enjoyable quality of life what is the most kind of um, issues that you typically get from people who have a sedentary life people who are not working out and and going to the gym and all of that we'll talk about that later but right now what are the kinds of issues that you mostly see from people who are sedentary in nature job table chair so for the most part when you are um, young and when i say young under the age of 25 you see nothing right uh, between the ages of 25 and 40 you might start seeing something and uh, that is because yes you may be sedentary but you still have to go to work you still have to catch a train or a bus you still have to maybe climb a flight of stairs and uh, family responsibilities come in you know family child taking care of that so um your load on the body increases so although you are sedentary you're happy to sit on a couch for hours and you know enjoy a good movie the snyder cut maybe mm-hmm. and um, um but then when responsibilities come in and if you're not ready for it the load on your body surpasses its capacity to adapt to it and then you start seeing issues issues are typically related to neck and shoulder pain because of uh, slouching for a long time these muscles aren't really strong enough to take the load presented to them the back muscles surprisingly are strong enough but they aren't flexible enough and they can't adapt enough so then flexibility and stiffness becomes a major issue with the back and if you suddenly have to sit on the floor get up you know carry your child around then you might start seeing issues with the knees or with the shoulders but um, if let's put it this way if the load on your body is well within your body's capacity to adjust to it i see no symptoms whatsoever so if you are a couch potato and you are happy being a couch potato and you don't want to really go for a trek on a sunday then the chances are you probably won't get injured but if you are a couch potato and you do end up walking a lot on one of the days and pushing your body well beyond its uh, uh, its happy zone what it's used to then yeah you will end up with symptoms yeah you know this um, strikes me so close to home because i remember maybe over a decade or more ago i was a couch potato right and maybe 15 years ago maybe around that time i was a couch potato and i never actually had any body pain or anything one fine day we were going for a wedding to delhi and because of that i had to pull out my bags from the uh, the conveyor belt correct 
so pulled out bags normally okay fine reach the hotel first night was fine next night onwards i couldn't get off the bed yeah right i think the entire wedding that i was supposed to go for i missed because of this and it is exactly what you said right you will never see something coming at you because your body has been trained for what it is meant to be doing which is sitting on the couch like you said a couch potato but as soon as you exert it in a way that meaning would seem normal but not what you trained for you actually get a brain or a catch or something happens yeah in fact there's a, a wonderful video on youtube uh, anyone who's listening you should watch it uh, just uh, search for load versus capacity that's it that's the name of the video i mean load versus capacity and you'll see nice animation explaining this exact same thing that as long as your body is doing something that it is used to you'll be pain free mm. when you do something that is outside your body's comfort zone then and only then will you end up with any kind of injuries so you know what are the things that a person who has a sedentary life should at least start doing according to you you know like um do you have a wish list that you wish that all your patients clients that came to you had at least done this as a basic what would that be um i think uh, recovery is one part that is always ignored by everyone hmm. because what we feel is ha rest le rahe theek hai sab kuch right hmm. we are we are okay with that but it goes a little deeper uh, because your body needs a few things to repair itself right if you want to build a wall you need bricks hmm. similarly your body needs a few things to repair itself and uh, in their order of importance the, there are seven things in their order of importance i'll repeat number one is your water intake hmm. so if you are dehydrating yourself and which is far more common than you would think because of air conditioned environments in offices because of work pressure even if a bottle is right next to you you mm. end up forgetting having a sip and uh, yeah gl- glad to see you're having a sip I, uh, you so, just reminded me i'm picking up my bottle and taking a sip right now <laughs> so uh, people tend to forget that and then uh, dehydration is the worst thing you can do to to your body's recovery system Uh, number 2 becomes sleep again ever since we are kids we are conditioned to um, sort of sacrifice our sleep that you have an exam tomorrow aaj raat ko jaag ke padhai karna hai ya fir kal subah jaldi uth ke padhai karna hai in either case you are sacrificing on your sleep and i know there are a lot of uh, theories that okay you spend a third of your life sleeping if you can reduce it slightly it will become more um, yeah but your body needs time to recover when you are moving around when you are working when your muscles are undergoing wear and tear uh, the body can't repair them simultaneously so when you are sleeping when your body is in a in a relaxed state that is when your recovery mechanisms can work well and improve your muscle function improve the damage that has been done to the muscles as you work out so sleep is yeah nikhil tell us a little bit about you know you've been working with the best athletes how much do they sleep uh depends on how hard they are working so hmm. uh, when uh, i went with mericom for the london olympics uh, we used to make her sleep for 12 hours because that's how hard we were pushing her she used to train for about an hour and a half in a day half an hour in the morning one hour in the afternoon uh, that's it just one and a half hour but we were squeezing her so hard at such a high intensity that she required 10 hours of sleep at night and 2 hours uh, after the morning session and if she did not have 12 hours of sleep then 
you would see that her muscles would get stiff and her movement would become slightly slow so it completely depends on how hard you exert and it also depends on age so pre puberty post puberty i would recommend 7 to 8 hours of sleep but kids between the age of 10 and 16 where their bodies are maturing they are training they are also studying and they have other priorities like playing ps5 ps4 and you know all of those things their bodies are undergoing a lot of wear and tear and you do need to sleep at least 8 to 9 hours so kids actually require teenagers actually require more sleep than preteens and adults correct um and if you're working hard of course you need more sleep so hmm. on my list number 1 was water intake number 2 was uh, sleep number 3 is uh, protein intake a lot of us uh, don't have enough protein pure non vegetarians included because the quantity tends to be smaller hmm. and with the recent trend of going vegan uh, going vegan is not bad but if you do it by yourself without doing your research then it is bad mm. so if you take the help of someone who knows what they are doing like a nutritionist or you yourself have spent time doing research to ensure that your new diet gives you the same nutrients that your previous diet was mm. everything is fine but if your protein intake drops then your muscles and your body is going to suffer proteins are the building blocks of life Hmm. all your antigens antibodies cell repair cell division all of that is proteins so if your protein intake is low your body actually uses the protein from your muscles to repair itself muscles come a little lower down in the pecking order they are not hmm. absolutely important for survival Correct. okay your immune system is hmm. so low protein intakes are are, are a problem Uh, uh, and the number four thing is vitamin D levels. Can I add yes. one more thing before that? So when you talk about protein, do you have a number that you suggest? Um, how many grams per body weight, etc.? Or so there is a rule of thumb that you need to have about one gram per kg body weight. Hmm. So if you weigh seventy kilos, you need seventy grams of protein per day. Hmm. But that's a rule of thumb. So if you are a sedentary person, you may get away with point eight grams per kg body weight. If you are a decently active person, you can you might need one point two grams per kg body weight. Hmm. If you are very active, you might need close to two grams per kg body weight. So since I'm not a nutritionist, I won't step into this and give you absolutes. I'll say that the rule of thumb is about one gram per kg body weight. Fair. Yeah. and uh, and yes. one more thing about on this um have you worked with vegan athletes yes i have do you see a difference between vegan athletes and no, and non vegetarian athletes in athletes yes in mm. normal people no in mm. amateur athletes uh, i see no difference between people who have a proper vegan diet versus people who have a normal diet with you know meat and uh, dairy and everything hmm. uh, i don't see that much of a performance difference but with athletes yes hmm. athletes who have suddenly turned vegan i see a drop in performance hmm. because you have to remember athletes are at the cutting edge of what human bodies can do hmm. right so eating uh, and and a lot of athletes have weight limitations like in boxing in weightlifting in wrestling you have weight categories mm. so you can't eat more to get the same amount of protein you can't eat more to get the same amount of vitamins and minerals mm. um which is why it 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 matters if you are in a in a sport that is weight sensitive and if you suddenly decide to change diet it is a problem um being vegetarian where you are still taking dairy and non vegetarian i have not seen that much of a difference but between uh, vegans and vegetarians or vegans and non vegetarians i have seen a difference but that is only in high performance athletes where there are strict 
um, um, strict limitations on how much food you can eat and um, uh, also between um, two sessions between morning training and evening training session you need to recover that energy quickly uh, between competitions you have to recover energy quickly if you take wrestlers in a day they will have three or four fights so they have to recover quickly from one bout to the next to the next to the next uh, incidentally uh, most of our wrestlers are pure vegetarians they don't eat meat but they do have a lot of dairy Hmm. So that is how they get their protein and vitamins and minerals, and Lovely. they have won so many Olympic medals. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they will be they will be using supplements. They'll be using the protein supplements yes. and all of that as well. Yeah, it will yes. be needed at that yes. that that stage. At Lovely. that stage, yes. Hmm. So yeah. you got protein. Then you and were going on to the number part. four would be vitamin D levels. Now, technically, you get vitamin D from the sun. When sunlight hits your skin, your skin manufactures vitamin D. Mm. Um, unfortunately, in cities like Mumbai and Delhi, because of the pollution, the right frequency of UV light doesn't reach us. Mm. And despite being in a sunny country, we don't get enough sun. Like, if I was to step out in the sun right now, you can see a bit of my hands and a bit of my face would be exposed. Mm. The rest of it is covered. Hmm. So uh, all of us, uh, especially in the last uh, generation, I would say 20 years, 25 years, where, I mean, if you think about it, 20, 25 years ago, you had to walk from the station home. You had to walk from the bus stop home. Today, you get an Uber from doorstep to doorstep. Mm -hmm. So this uh, walking in the sun and, and just life has become a lot more hectic. So you do end up taking the Uber instead of walking. Um, you don't get enough sun. And Correct. that's why vitamin D levels have crashed. And uh, I find vitamin D to be a genuine issue in most people. Of course, in the last one year, thanks to COVID, I can't say thanks to COVID for anything else, mm -hmm. but people have become more aware of vitamin D and a lot of people have been taking supplements, hopefully Correct. under medical guidance and not by themselves, but mm. uh, things have sort of improved and uh, I hope they stay good. Number five is vitamin B12 levels. Again, that has been better in the last one year. Mm -hmm. because people have been taking multivitamin supplements. Mm -hmm. And then the last two things, they don't actually help in recovery. Mm -hmm. Okay, like water, sleep, protein, vitamin D and vitamin B12 actually help your body recover fast. Mm -hmm. But the last two things prevent your body, body getting injured. Mm -hmm. And that is your stretching and strengthening. Mm -hmm. So if your muscle is strong enough and flexible enough, it undergoes lesser amount of wear and tear and therefore it recovers faster because there's less to recover that's the thing so if people are just able to do these seven things as well as you can uh, i would say my job will become a lot easier and people would not need to see the physio as often because if these seven things are done perfectly 90 to 95 percent of the unnecessary aches, pains and niggles, fatigue related issues, shin splints, back aches, neck pains would come down by a lot. Very interesting. So get your water in, make sure that you have your bottle with you and you're drinking it. Don't, don't just carry it around because that's one of the habits, right? One of the first podcasts that we did was on hydration and it was carry a bottle around. At least you see it, you'll drink it. You know, otherwise we normally think that I have to go to the kitchen, get a glass of water and drink it. Instead, just carry a bottle around. That's one. The second one is sleep. Doctor was saying that get, you know, at least your how many hours? Eight hours of sleep? That, that's yeah. A, a minimum. Uh, uh, 50 hours a week, so around 7 hours each night. 
seven hours each night is good. I typically focus on getting quality of sleep because that's something that I keep harping about a lot and how we get into our sleep and, and watching our sleep stages. That is something that we speak a lot about in the podcast. Then you spoke about um, getting okay. your protein up. Protein is so, so, so important, building blocks. Then we spoke about vitamin D. Vitamin D has multiple functions. And I think as scientists, we're still also figuring out what are the new functions that vitamin D is doing. With many people think vitamin D is almost like a hormone in our body. So it's very, very, plays lots of ro roles. As a good habit, please start wearing lesser clothes when you go out. I think that, that is the main takeaway from this podcast. <laughs> then, then we got vitamin B12. And um, vitamin B12 is an interesting one, right? Do you see a lot of difference between um, the d different kinds of diets, like vegetarian, non-vegetarian diets uh, with B B12? Uh, so I've seen vitamin B12 deficiency in both vegetarians and non-vegetarians. Hmm. It's about uh, the quality of food and how you prepare it and what all do you eat. Hmm. Um, there is an interesting tidbit I'd like to share. So when I was working with elite athletes, I used to test them for three times every year. The blood tests would be done once every four months because in high-performance athletes, you couldn't wait for the levels to start coming down and showing symptoms before you took a step in and improved them. So we had to watch them like a hawk and make sure their performance doesn't dip. And um, so initially when I started testing them, and I must have done over 5,000 tests across 200 athletes for so many years, um, all of them would show low vitamin D and B12, right? And then we worked with nutritionists, we worked with uh, their parents or caretakers, and um, vitamin B12 levels went up and they stayed up. Okay, in about a year or so, I found everyone showed pretty good vitamin B12 levels because it was just about managing some dietary habits and, you know, making sure that you're taking a bit of nuts and uh, something else. I mean, depending on what the person was eating, you could add a few things and it normalized. But vitamin D didn't. <laughs> vitamin D, you get from the sun, you don't really get from food. So that has been a problem till today. But yeah, I mean, uh, B12, I've not really seen a difference between vegetarians and non-vegetarians. Mm. It's a fallacy to think that vegetarians don't get enough. Yes, you do get enough. It's just that uh, the way you prepare the food and what you eat matters a lot. Correct. Absolutely. And and like we were saying that please, please uh, get your, take your vitamin D supplements, especially under the guidance of doctors because they're fat soluble and hence can increase your toxicity if you aren't deficient. So use yeah. a doctor to guide yourself in that. How often yeah. do you think we should normally be testing our blood? Uh, once a year. Uh, once for a year an average person, uh, hmm. it should be part of your annual blood work. You should test for vitamin D and B12 as part of your annual blood work. If you're an athlete or an amateur athlete who wants to perform well twice a year, hmm. if you're a high performance athlete, athlete at least three times a year. Because with most of us, if the levels go down a bit and then we find out and we are able to correct it, it's okay. But for athletes, you can't allow it to go down before you take a step and improve it. It, it. You have to catch it before it goes down and affects performance. That's why. Any With, specific um, tests that you conduct um, that you feel are important that most people don't cover in their regular blood work? Uh, vitamin D is one they miss out on because it's slightly more expensive. Uh, but once a year, I think it should be there as part of your annual workup. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit more expensive test compared to your normal CBCs and blood sugars. 
but it's worth putting in the effort because um, yeah it's 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 like it pretty much if you take a room of 10 people nine of those will have vitamin d being low yeah that's the case today correct and um, incidentally in the last one year i, I mean for the first uh, since 2009 when i've been working with athletes and testing them regularly till say 2020 so almost 11 years i saw no one with vitamin d toxicity okay and in the last one year i've seen three oh wow so um, why because everyone's obsessed with vitamin d that's why yeah sort of where they went a bit overboard with vitamin d i mean um you know the kind of literature that was coming out not yeah. verified literature you know websites and whatsapps and about Correct. vitamin d and covid and it was a very tense situation so i don't mm. blame them per se because uh, all of us were found wanting last year nobody mm. knew what to do or what to expect simply mm. because you know, yeah it was an unknown phenomenon yeah and But and there are lots of people who are also saying that the current vitamin d guidelines are not up to scratch we can actually tolerate far more and all of those kind of messages was um, also when were going around so absolutely yeah but the thing is that i have seen symptoms when vitamin d goes above a certain level and i have seen symptoms when it goes below a certain level hmm. so yeah so yeah. I, I, i i i i, I, I would rather you. believe what i have seen when i worked with patients and uh, rather than whatsapp forwards whatsapp university is not something that needs to be trusted completely yeah. agree with you and then you spoke about two important things you spoke about stretching and you spoke about exercise right and training or weight weight training in particular strength yeah. training strength what did you training. strength training correct um maybe to, uh, we'll lead this question into these last two but what should a good quality muscle feel like so uh, from a physio perspective when i touch a muscle right uh, it should feel nice and soft it should mm. feel tender mm. okay and that's a good quality muscle without any i mean the texture of the muscle when you feel it needs to be nice and smooth and soft mm. if the muscle texture is different it tells its own story if it is a bit taut then you know it might be overworked or not recovered well if it is quite taut then there might be a little bit of swelling inside if there are knots on the muscle those are localized areas of swelling also called as trigger points or there may be fatigue along with weakness along with swelling so it feels like one of bombay's roads you know kad 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 when you roll your finger over the muscle it feels you know as smooth as a mumbai road hmm. um so <laughs> then every single muscle when you touch it hmm. sort of tells you its history hmm. and uh, if you're if you're practiced enough if you're skilled enough as a physio when you touch the muscles you can almost sort of tell the person what they did wrong and why the muscle picture looks the way it does because yeah the muscles tell a story on on what's happened to them beautiful how can people start feeling this or at least getting aware of this with their own body do you think that there are certain muscles that they should take a look at and maybe understand versus the others this is um, just for a self understanding it's not for diagnosis or anything um to be honest it becomes really hard like if i have a uh calf pain okay calf mm. is a muscle i can easily palpate on mm. myself but i'm not able to feel it as well as i would in a patient 
Mm. Okay, simply because maybe I'm not standing in the right position, or you know, there's a personal bias coming in. So I wouldn't recommend that people start touching and feeling their muscles and making conclusions. Because mm. if I'm not able to do it on myself, it would be ridiculous for me to expect somebody else to do it. Having Fair. said that, uh, when you are doing any kind of uh, exercises, when you are doing any kind of exercises. you should notice how does it feel while doing the exercise does it feel smooth does it feel controlled or do you have to push that extra bit to cover the entire range of motion when you start the exercise does the muscle feel stiff if if your muscle feels stiff when you start exercising either it's tired or you have not warmed up enough right if when you are doing the exercise and normally say you were doing a full squat but today when you are doing a full squat all the way down all the way up right at the point where you start going up your muscle feels a little weak or your knee starts giving you a signal that it is hurting then that probably points to the fact that the muscle is not able to generate enough power when it is needed mm-hmm. and that's why the joint is getting overloaded which means you are tired so you have to pay attention so i hate it when people go to gyms and uh, they're not paying attention to what they are doing they are distracting themselves either mm. they are walking on the treadmill watching something on a screen or they are listening to loud music yes it keeps you some people it works it keeps them focused it keeps them attention centered but a lot of the time you are not listening to your body mm. so if you just start listening to your body uh, listening to the cues that it is telling you your body will tell you if it is tired your body will tell you if it doesn't want to be pushed as hard as you are pushing it on that day maybe mm-hmm. it will be ready tomorrow but not today so if you just try and listen to your body when you're working out focusing mm-hmm. on your body your body will tell you when you are uh, uh, pardon my friend for being an ass mm-hmm. okay and 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 if if you are able to listen to that and 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 do what your body demands of you i think you'll have a much more pleasurable time pain free injury free and you'll find improvements in whatever goals that you have set for yourself you know this is such a beautiful thing because um you know and doctor i i would i'd love it if you could talk about this a little bit more um the whole idea of this whole mind muscle connect right when you're doing an exercise um there's so many times when you see people in the gym who are going through the motion but you know that the attention is not on the muscle that's supposed to be worked right they're going through the motion the, the weight is coming up it looks proper from outside but you know that that mind muscle connect is not there how should we establish that are there any habits or any tips that you have on creating that mind muscle connect it's not that hard you just have to pay attention that's it you just mm. have to pay attention so if you're doing a bicep curl you need to feel the bicep muscle contracting okay yes you can see your form in the mirror you can see your form sideways in the mirror mm. but you need to be able to feel the muscle contracting mm. like for example if you were standing on one leg okay and you closed your eyes okay how do you maintain balance you maintain mm. balance because your brain listens to the information coming from your ankle mm. and therefore it balances your wide body on a tiny foot mm. correct hmm. so that is what i mean just pay attention to what information your body is sending you that's correct it. it's Lovely. not hard there's no uh, magic bullet there it's hmm. it's 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 like the notice is in front of you all you have to do is read it hmm. it's as simple as that um, having said that um, people when they are working out uh, they don't want to use um, 
too much of brain power they just want to focus on doing the activity right um which is great for my business because you end up doing technical mistakes and get injured but if you just pay attention to what you're doing i think you'll get far better results hmm this is beautiful and and this is something that i think we should definitely speak about in the second podcast when we discuss this and dive into this in detail um i just wanted to t- focus on these last two bits which were the strength training and the stretching, stretching. right um are there any tips you have on how to do the stretching correctly so the kind of stretch you do in warm ups and cool downs is slightly different so during your warm ups the stretch can't be too hard because your muscles are cold and cold muscles don't stretch well so you have to listen to your body when you feel the stretch you have to stop and when you're cooling down when the body is already warm uh, then you can stretch a little harder but when you're doing a self stretch whether it's your calf hamstrings buttocks what have you uh first is you maintain correct body position that's mm. number one there's no compromise on technique ever mm. and second is when you're doing the stretch it should feel like a stretch and not pain so when you start stretching a muscle you'll and go through uh, the range where there's no pain no stretch then you start feeling a little bit of stretch then the stretch increases then it becomes discomfort and then it becomes pain right you'll go through this entire range when you start stretching a muscle when you're doing mm. it yourself you need to stop when you feel the stretch properly without discomfort without pain so that you're not pushing the muscle beyond its limit be mm. pay very good attention it should not hurt it should feel like a stretch and you hold it for 15 to 20 seconds and if you want you do four repetitions of it but don't mm. do a uh, high intensity stretch which pushes you into the pain zone very interesting so don't push it to the point of pain take 20 seconds and think about it as repetitions yeah. so you might want to do three repetitions or four repetitions of 20 seconds 20 seconds 20 seconds yeah. i know stretching is something that i suck at this is something that i always do a gapcha on when i finish my workout so i know this is one of the things that i have to focus on and the second thing i do my gapcha on is um is is uh, the warm ups because i i started working out and i was like are yaar i am like i don't need warm ups what is the point of a warm up do you think a, a leopard needs a warm up before it goes and chases its prey i am a machine i don't need a warm up what is the point of a warm up and why do animals don't need a warm up before they start running who says animals don't do a warm up do they they i i i am now picturing my cheetah doing like toe touches and windmills no, and not and, and leg swings <laughs> but you can see the cheetah you know uh, crouching and just studying its uh, uh, prey and uh, properly analyzing the distance and the speed it needs to generate and mm. then finally it sets off so there's mm. a huge adrenaline rush as well mm. now if you were the prey and the cheetah was coming after you mm. you won't need a warm up Hmm. because you would have such a huge adrenaline rush in your body hmm. that everything would go into fifth gear and you would be able to run hard hmm. and at the end of the day it's about survival versus leisure hmm. okay so when we are training when we are working out it's more of from a health perspective and more for leisure okay our survival doesn't depend on picking up a dumbbell hmm. but for a cheetah if he or she doesn't manage to catch their prey 
it is a matter of survival like they say if you want to swim fast swim in front of a shark please don't do that but it's just a saying <laughs> correct and uh, so so what is the quality of a good warm up then like you uh, said about this about stretching what is a good quality for warm up so a good warm up usually consists of two parts a general and a specific warm up a general warm up is um, you know just limbering up moving your shoulders doing a little bit of a jog or a cycle just to get the body temperature up get the heart rate and the blood pressure up um, get your sweat going slightly and a specific warm up would be where you do the movement that you're going to do in your training session so say for example if you're doing legs today then you might want to do body weight uh, squats as part of your specific warm up before taking uh, a barbell on your shoulders hmm. okay so general warm up basically getting the blood pumping getting the body a little warmer which is where the word comes from and then putting in the the correct motions that you want getting the right muscles to fire in that context which is the specific warm up for the exercise that you're doing yeah that also reinforces your technique because when you're doing specific warm up you're trying to follow the same technique that you would when you are actually working out and here i'm talking about a legs workout but that would also qualify when you are say playing football or playing tennis where you do shadow movements to mimic the movements you would be doing in the sport but at a much lesser lesser intensity to get the mind body connection firing to get the muscles used to moving in those specific uh, patterns and um, but without loading them too much without putting mm. in the intensity because they're not ready for it lovely lovely you know this is such a fascinating discussion because i love the way that we are talking about physiotherapy you know normally physiotherapy especially with people um, and clients that i work with they're like you know ashtin i have this pain and stuff so you go to physio yeah he's given me some exercise but i've not done this and, and one is like what you said not doing the exercise is completely useless but we spoke about so many different aspects of our life like recovery how to start thinking about it and i think you know the purpose of this podcast was to pick up these nuggets and use them because these are things that we can do without actually a physiotherapist coming and telling us do these exercises we can focus on these seven parts in our life and at least this it will itself will dramatically improve the quality of our life and that is what yeah. we need ultimately So Nikhil thank you so much for coming and chatting with us on the Habit Coach podcast. How can people get in touch with you? How can people learn more about all that you do? Uh you can follow me on my social media handles. Uh, it's Pro Physio Mumbai P R O P H Y S I O M U M B A I. I'm there on Facebook, LinkedIn, on Insta. And I also have a website profizio.co.in so you can send me messages on any of the social media handles and I'll respond to it lovely and if you're in bombay i strongly suggest going and meeting dr nikhil if especially if you have an issue just figure it out learn about it and and like i did i learned so much in our first meeting so i'm looking forward to our second thank you so much nikhil thank you if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am ashtin doc on twitter and instagram you can find lots more information on my website awesome180.com or check out different content on my youtube channel called awesome180 that's awesome180